0: On Wednesday night, I had a few friends on the back porch of my house, and it included two pastors. Uh, Those two pastors are Father Eric Okren from Trinity Communion Church and uh, Pastor Chris Holdridge from New New City Fellowship. And they're like, Peter, what are you preaching on on Sunday? And uh, I said, uh, John 13, 1 through 17, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And both of them simultaneously asked, they said, are you going to make Browncrofters take off their socks and shoes? <laughs> I hear the, the awkward laughing. Is he really going to do that? Well, we're, uh, we're not going to make you take off your socks and shoes today. So I, for some of you, that's a collective, probably source of non-anxiety right now. I would challenge you to think about this. What is so scary about doing that in church what does that as my wife likes to ask what does that bring up inside of you you know today as kind of a way to remember this sermon and kind of a way to be connected to this passage we have given every one of you a towel so i want to make sure that you have your towel during this message i'd encourage you to hold it as you uh just listen to it because i think it's a great way for us to be connected uh to this Today, our main point is this, pride and humility cannot coexist in the way of Jesus. Pride and humility cannot coexist in the way of Jesus. We started a brand new series last week called Serve Like Jesus, and we talked about Jesus gave a super important teaching to his disciples about service. And today, when we're talking about serve with humility, we're talking about how Jesus not only teaches about service he models it and calls us to serve in the way that he served so the story that we're going to engage this is a very timeless story but it's about jesus washing the feet of the disciples most services we read through the whole passage and then we kind of make some points today what i want to do is we're going to read a portion of each passage and make a point and we're just going to go scene by scene in conversation. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 13, 1 through 17. And let's, uh, let's start with verse 1. So I want to welcome those of you that are joining us online and also for those of you that are with us in person, we're glad that you're here. And again, the main point of today's message is this, pride and humility cannot coexist in the way of Jesus. John 13:1 says this, It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, Judas, the son of Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that he wrapped around them. Today's first point in this idea of pride and humility cannot coexist in the way of Jesus's. Pride says, "My reputation's on the line. Humility says, "I'm secure in my identity." I think one of the challenges to preaching a message like this is to try to compare the chores of today with the chores of uh, the ancient times. So, I mean, I asked a few people on social media, what's your least favorite chore? And they said, dusting, taking the trash out, cleaning the toilet, cleaning the bathroom. And in some ways, culturally, we may not like what we do, but it's not something that's necessarily degrading or we're looked down upon. And depending on what culture you're from, you might actually have a better connection to this passage. But to understand foot washing and to understand what was happening is you could cut the awkwardness in the room of this passage. So in ancient times, people didn't have tables and chairs. They actually leaned and reclined on each other. And in ancient times also, they didn't have the plumbing or even the cleanliness that we had. So their roads were really, really dirty. And most people wore open-toed sandals. So you can imagine you're leaning next to your friend and disciple with their feet kind of staring you in the face of who knows what's on their feet. Now, in modern times, brushing your teeth is probably as important as it was then, but the disciples didn't want to wash each other's feet. In some ways, they were saying, my reputation's on the line. When Jewish individuals had Jewish servants, they wouldn't even make the Jewish servants wash their feet. They would make Gentile people wash their feet. Can you imagine that with the disciples? They're sitting there, Who's gonna wash our feet? Who's gonna do it? And for those of you kids, students, and parents, and husbands and wives, you're like, not it. What I find fascinating about this passage is in John 13, verse three, the writer of the Gospel of John, who's this biography of Jesus, makes it certain, says this. It says that Jesus knew he came from the Father, And he knew his purpose. So so pride says my reputation's on the line. The disciples are saying, hey, you know what? We can't wash feet. That's, That's below us. We're not gonna do that. What does that look like? How in the world could we make that happen? And Jesus says, I'm secure in my identity. I'm secure in my identity. So what Jesus does, Jesus grabs a towel He wraps it around his waist and he pours the water in the basin. And with his hand, he begins begins to wash the disciples' feet and he dries them with a towel. Can you imagine that scene for a second? The savior of the universe with all the dust and grime and who knows what on the disciples' feet is washing the feet of his disciples. There's a humility in that. See, because I think sometimes we think that humility is is thinking less of ourselves, when actually humility is seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. And Jesus said, hey, I'm the creator of the world. I created this dust. I created all of this mess that's in here. And you know what? I'm willing to clean and wash the disciples' feet. You know, it's interesting. um, There's an author by the name of Dallas Willard, And one of the things that Dallas Willard loves to talk about is humility. And, you know, in the Christian life, we talk about this idea of dying uh, to ourselves. And there's a difference between dying to ourselves and dying of ourselves. Dying to ourselves, there's certain things in our lives that we're not perfect, that we want to repair our reputation. And then, so to die of ourselves is we have this concept that we think that we have to become a completely different person. I want you to hear what Dallas Willard's saying and how this is important to us. He says this, Humility is the beautiful condition of people who have learned to surrender their desires, their glory and power. Such people are in the process of becoming who they were meant to be in God's kingdom by giving up the life of self. Do you realize what this looks like? When we talk about dying to ourselves, we're not saying dying of ourselves. Jesus knew his identity. He knew who he was in the Father. He knew his purpose, and that's what led him to serve, not to give up himself. See, often that's where we get confused. My reputation's on the line. You know, it's not just, for us in our culture, it's not just the things that, you know, we shouldn't do because that's below us, but I think for many of us, even some of the motivations of serving is this, hey, I better serve and I better let people know and see it so that they know what my reputation is. And I think the power of what Jesus did was Jesus wasn't scared of of this degrading, this, this task that was super below him according to the disciples. You know, ultimately, we're in this series about serving because when we experience true humility, we become all that God has called us to. Imagine living without pretense. Imagine living without having to look in the rearview mirror and saying, hey, did I do that for the right reasons? You know, I was trying to think of a good example of what this might look like in modern-day culture. And I came across, uh, I know that some of you here are Boston Celtics fans. Um, We'll pray for you anyways. But for those of you that are Boston Celtics fans, um, the former coach of the Boston Celtics, his name's Brad Stevens. And a reporter one time asked him, and they said, hey, what do you do when a player and you are in conflict or in odds with one another? And Brad Stevens says, I go to practice, and I go to shoot around, and I rebound for him because I want to show that I care. Brad Stevens is a brilliant coach. He's a great general manager. And and when he said that, I want you to understand, this is what Jesus is kind of saying in all of this. The players don't care that he's the coach. He could sit up there, I don't need to rebound for you. I don't need to stay after for practice. No, why does he do it? He does it because he's secure in his identity and he knows what it's doing relationally. He knows the power of that simple act. Where in your life, where in your life are you making decisions based on your reputation versus based on your identity? Let's go back to the passage. Go to John 13. We're gonna look at verses six through 10, John 13. It says this, Jesus, when he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Then Lord, Simon Peter said, replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. The whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. The second point is this. Pride says, I must protect my power. Humility says, I don't need to be in control. So we move from Jesus starting to wash the feet of the disciples. They're all leaning there, sticking their feet one to another. And Jesus is kind of wiping them up and and drying them. And then he gets to Peter. Peter. Now, I know that many of you have an opinion on Peter and you know, he can be bombastic, he can be non-tactful, he can be all of that, but I think what the writer of John is doing in this passage is the writer of John is saying this is a representative conversation from all the disciples. I don't think Peter is just the only one that's feeling the gravity and the anxiety of this moment. Remember, for some of you here, others of you are like, hey, let's do a foot washing right now. For some of you here, um, you experience that anxiety of this weirdness of, hey, what's gonna happen? That was in the room. And so when you think about that, when you think about Peter in this moment, and he says to Jesus, Jesus, He says, you're you're never gonna wash my feet. You're never gonna wash my feet. Why would you do something so degrading? Why would you, why would you do you know that this is culturally weird. And what's interesting, what Jesus does is he replies back. He says, No, I have to wash your feet. And you can kind of sense the, the anxiety raising and, because Jesus means business. Jesus isn't messing with Peter. Jesus means, hey, hey, I, I'm going to wash your feet. And we're going to find out a little bit more why Jesus is going to do that, But then Peter responds back, knowing the severity of of what Jesus is saying. He responds back and he says, oh, no, 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 Lord, Lord, wash everything. Wash every part of me. Put, you know, wash my body, wash my, just wash everything. And Jesus makes this simple response. He goes, those that have bathed don't need a, a full washing. So what's happening here? What's happening in this passage? So I think what Jesus is saying is this as followers of Jesus, you've already experienced the joy and the power of of cleansing, of being of following Jesus, of salvation. And now Jesus is saying, Hey, but there is there's time when you wash your feet. John, the Gospel of John, which is a biography of Jesus, where, where this passage is located, it's it's such a powerful book. And every time you see a symbol like water, you have to start asking, what did it mean? Now, this symbol's not completely open-ended, but ancient readers and time, as you read through history, what they would have saw with the water is they would have saw baptism, they would have saw communion where, where we celebrate Jesus dying on the cross and his resurrection. They would have saw sanctification for us to become more like Jesus. And I think that that's the power of this passage because what Jesus is saying is he's saying, hey, there's a a point in time when you come and you follow me and you experience transformation, but there's an ongoing sanctification. There's an ongoing growth and cleansing. And this is part of it. Do you know what it all means? When you think about baptism, when you think about communion... When you think about all those things, it's the realization that we're not as powerful or in control as we think we are. We're incapable of saving ourselves. We're incapable even of living the life that Jesus has called us to live. And out of everybody, Peter knew that. So when Jesus washes his feet and does this teaching, it's a reminder to Peter, hey, you're powerless without me. And not something to hold over him, not something to call out, but I think in our lives we live thinking that we can protect our power when there's power in relinquishing our control. I was trying to think of a moment when I'm, I feel really powerless. And um, it actually happened a little bit this morning um, my two-year-old Lucy is a constant reminder that I'm powerless and not in control. Lucy gets here to service and she just runs down the hallway. And I don't know what's going on in her head but she just thinks it's great. And you know, I, when I think about my life and I think about the times that I parent the best and when I parent the, when I parent the worst, it's when I think I have control and I think that I'm really, really powerful. You know, when Lucy was about eight months old, she, um, she had this routine of waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning and crying out loud. I know that some of you parents are going to say, I never had a child that cried at night. We'll talk about that later. But that's what Lucy would do. That's what Lucy would do. And then, you know, as Lucy's grown up, she's vivacious. She's a lot of fun. But she runs around the house. And the moments that I try to take control of her, it just, it just doesn't go well. But you know what I've learned to do? I, I get on the floor and I lay down. And I say, Lucy, I'm gonna try to do some pushups. And Lucy gets on my back. And she just starts laughing. She thinks, that she's like, Daddy, do more. And it's like, I can only do two because you're 30 pounds on my back. <laughs> What a picture of being powerless, of relinquishing our control. What would it look like for you to relinquish control in your life? What would it look like for you to live with the freedom of this passage? See, Peter, hey, I have to save myself. I have to earn salvation. I have to do this all on my own. Jesus, you won't wash your feet. And you know what? Part of learning that you're not in control for some of you is actually receiving service, not being the one that serves. You know, I think about this. You know, what does it look like? You know, what about the practice of not having the last word? You want to talk about relinquishing control, being in the conversation, and not having to win the argument. This week, I was reminded, um, my roommate from college, he's a pastor also, my roommate from college, you know, he and i we went out for lunch probably a couple years ago and he said something to me he's like hey peter like you don't talk as much and you listen better i didn't quite know what to do with that i was like i married a therapist she taught me but do you know what i realized is i realized that we live in a time and that even personally that when I wanna control the conversation, when I wanna control the direction of it, that I start talking more. But there's power when you actually relinquish control. In a world full of agendas, full of people seeding for power, can you imagine just being one individual that listens one individual that doesn't need to micromanage the details, this is so applicable to not just the way that you serve at church, but the way you serve at your jobs and serve with your families, is that humility is this beautiful way of life that you don't have to captain your own ship because you know that the creator of the universe is with you. You know that the creator of the universe is in control. You know that God is there. Pride says I must protect my power. Humility says I can let go of control. Turn with me to the last part of this passage. John chapter 13, 11 through 17. It says this. For he, Jesus, knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was clean. When he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set to you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Pride says, I serve to gain. Humility says, I serve because of love. As always, I encourage you to The book of John. Uh, It's one of the gospels. I'd encourage you to read it in one sitting. It just helps you get a clearer picture of what the author is trying to say about Jesus. But in John 1 through 12, it's about Jesus's public ministry. So Jesus heals people. He feeds the 5,000. He's doing all of these teachings, and, and it's very public. And John 13 through 21 shifts to the private ministry, so it's, it's a long conversation with the disciples, and it's on the road to Jesus being on the cross and, and experiencing death on the cross and resurrection. And so as we get to John 13, the author is trying to impress upon us Jesus' kind of final words. And so the washing of feet was almost this object lesson for something bigger that Jesus wanted to share with his disciples, It was a powerful moment because Jesus was saying, I'm going to wash feet, but I also want you to understand what I'm doing. And and he first starts with this. He says, says, no student is above their teacher. Think about that just for a moment. Think about that. You know, in our culture today, if you're the CEO, the CFO, or the COO, you know, we can talk about servant leadership, but the way the world works is, hey, I'm kind of above that. And we all probably have examples where we've seen that happen. But Jesus says, no, no student's above their teacher. No student is above their teacher. So guess what? Just as I served you because I love you, so you're called to serve. You know, when we talk about serving to gain, how much of our culture does that? You know, how much of our families do that? Hey, I'm going to help you out, but I'm going to call in the favor later but that's not so with Jesus. Jesus serves out of love. I think one of the hardest things about doing this series is probably some of you have this question. Well, you know, is Jesus calling me to be a doormat? I want to go to one verse that kind of helps us understand this, which is this. So go to John 13, 14. It says this, Now that I, your Lord teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. So here's what Jesus is saying. Imagine this. Imagine a church that was so focused, each individual so focused on other people. So not only are you focused on the needs of others, but others are focused on your needs. Think about that just for a moment, what that would look like. You know, for us to humbly say, hey, I... I just don't have it. And for others of us to say, hey, you know what? I can give up of my time. I think what Jesus is saying, as I've served you, not singular English, but plural, you, not just one person, but a whole group of people in community, as I've served you, you serve each other. Can you imagine what that would look like? Can you imagine a community that served not to gain, but served out of love? We might not have any needs. People's needs would be filled. I mean, you just, you can go down the line for the vision of this passage. Because in a world that says, hey, you scratch my back, I scratch your back. Jesus say, no, no, not so with you. Not so with you. You know, and and at the end of the passage, you know, Jesus says this. He says in verse 17, and you will be blessed. Now I know that some of you here, you might be thinking, well, you know, is Peter talking about the prosperity gospel? Like, you know, if I serve, you know, you know we have hankies here today. You know, what's Peter talking about? No, think about what Jesus said. Think about what Jesus was about to experience. He was about to do the ultimate act of service by dying on a cross, being raised from the dead, serving, giving of his life. Can you imagine that just for a moment? When he says you'll be blessed, being blessed because you love and invested other in other people, being blessed because you've given of your time and your treasure and your talents. And there's something beautiful that happens. The people that have the glow of the love of God in their lives, that when they give with no pretense or expectation, can you imagine what a community that says this, I'm not serving to gain, I'm serving because I love one of the most gripping stories that I've heard that I kind of reflect on is um, there's a story of Eugene Peterson. He met, um, he met a German custodian when he was working in the church as a young pastor in New York City. And the custodian's name was Willie Olsa. And Willie said, I want to paint a picture of you. I want to show you this picture that's up there right now. Now, for many of us as modern day readers or modern day like seeing this, we would say, Well, this picture looks great. Willie can paint my portrait. But when Eugene and Willie's wife saw this picture, they immediately drew back. They go, because in the picture, what you can see is his his face is pale. There's not a smile. It's not warm. And the panic set in. And Willie's wife said, why did you paint such a terrible picture of, of our pastor? Why did you paint such a terrible picture of Eugene? And Willie looked at Eugene and he said, I wanted to paint a picture of you as if the love and compassion of God had left you. What would your picture look like? What would it look like if the love and compassion of God wasn't in you? I can tell you what it looked like with me. You know, I've said before, you know, talking more than listening, you know, being so busy that when the interruptions of the day or when, you know, people are calling for help and support that I'm just quickly moving to the next thing, offering solutions as opposed to to really listening and being there with people. You know, when you serve out of love, you never have to look back in the rearview mirror when you serve out of love, the care and the love of Jesus, it's expressed in you. So let me ask you this, how have you served to gain versus how have you served to love? Pride and humility cannot coexist in the way of Jesus. You know, I've only been part of one foot washing service. Back in the church I went to in Potsdam, Pennsylvania Connection Church, there was a moment that there was a group of leaders and they had a group of us volunteers together for a gathering. And so I'm sitting at, I'm sitting at the chair and I'm wondering, you know, maybe some of you in the beginning of this service, like who's gonna wash my feet? And there was a little anxiety, there was a little worry and all the pastors were there. And I remember seeing one of the elders. His name's Barry Banky. And Barry, at one point, he worked in New Jersey. He owned his own lumber business. And he, he did all of that. And he decided to give it all up and move to Pottstown, Pennsylvania to help this church get planted. Barry would set up chairs. He made coffee. He put out the donuts. He did everything. You know, he just, he served and in that moment, Barry came directly to me. And I can tell you how awkward and even nervous I felt, but when Barry came to me and he prayed, I, I don't know if I felt so loved and appreciated in my life for him to come to me and, and wash my feet and, and to live out the spirit of this passage. I think about that as I think, of it, because it wasn't just the act of washing feet, but it was, it was what he was saying, and it was the way and who he was. And, you know, Barry spent a lot of time with me, and he cared about me, and there was something powerful about that. So again, you know, as we started this sermon, I, I don't want to push and challenge you to wash feet, You know, I know that for some of you it's this scary idea, you know, you don't feel comfortable with that, but I I do want to challenge what is it in you that doesn't want to receive or even give that? Because I think that sometimes tangible practices help us kind of connect scripture to real life. So how are we going to apply this passage? So we've given each of you a towel. You know, Here's how I'm going to apply it, you know, just kind of with my family. So later this week, my wife Robin and I, we're going to read the Jesus storybook Bible, which we actually give to every family here, and we're going to read the story of the last supper where Jesus washes the feet of his disciples and you know, with Haley and Lucy and Robin, we're going to we're going to wash our feet and we're going to read that story and we're going to talk about it. So for some of you, you know, I don't want to push you too much, but I challenge you maybe Maybe it's not just your family, but maybe there's someone in your small group. Maybe there's a friend. Maybe there's someone that that you just want to live out this passage and ask permission. I, I want to encourage you to do that. But lastly, what I really want to get to is this. You know, what's one, dare I say, super uncomfortable act of service that God's calling you to take? Not because you're serving to gain, not because of your reputation not because you want to have control, but what's one area of your life that God's saying, hey, I know it scares you, I know it makes you nervous, but I want you to do that as a reminder of what Jesus has done for you. As Roberto plays in the background, I just want you to bow your heads with me. And I just want to just pray for you, but I also just want you to reflect on this last question of, you know, what's that one act of service? Maybe there's a situation or a friend, but then the second thing is, I, I want you to reflect in that of what Jesus has done for you. Why don't you just take a moment to maybe pray with God? You know. <clears throat> Besides this act of service, you know, we're giving you each a towel to, as a reminder of service, you know, I want to let the Holy Spirit guide you on how to use this and how to remember this. And, you know, maybe the last thing is this, is you just want to take this towel and you want to put it maybe in your office at work or maybe in your kitchen or maybe um, in your bathroom, but somewhere that reminds you of how God has called you to serve. Who's ready to live this passage out today? Amen? I wanna pray a blessing over you so if you feel comfortable, you can just lift your hands like this. Now may the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May the empowerment and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit be all around you. May you live in humility free in knowing your identity in Jesus, free from taking control in your life, free to serve out of love. And may you be reminded of how much Jesus loved you as he served by dying on the cross and raising from the dead. We pray all this in the name of the resurrection and life and all God's people said, amen. Amen.